up? What's up? It's your boy, Chris Cox, host of Multiple Podcast Disorder, and we are back for part two of our Renaissance Woman episode podcast that we have with our very awesome guest, Butter B. Rocker. And so we got a lot of good feedback from part one, and we're ready to dive in with part two. So, Butter, if you want to talk about what we didn't get to in uh, part one, which is how your play transpired from the lyrics of your song. Yeah, definitely. So I wrote this song called um, The Storm. And and um, I wrote the song called The Storm a while ago. And I injured myself overseas <laughs> for the first time. I injured myself overseas. And then I was like, huh, it didn't it didn't slow me down too much. But it made me think of, wow, if I hurt myself, I really do need to figure out some more hustles. Um, so uh, I had to, I couldn't go on the road for about a month to let my uh, knee heal from the first injury um, from falling. And so I was like, okay, I need to figure out some additional things. So I started, um, I, I started auditioning for different plays and everything. I got selected for this play. I used to do plays back in the day. So I got selected for this play and the I didn't actually end up doing the play. The play, um, they changed their date and I was already pre-booked. So I couldn't actually do the play, but there was a director there that I kept in contact with. And we was talking about lyrics and I was telling him that I have a song that has some very deep lyrics called, um, called The Storm. And so he listened to the song and he called me back and he was like, Butter, this is a play. And I said, you know what? I've always wanted to write a play. I've never, I don't know how to write a play. It's something I've always wanted to do. Just like writing my book is something I've always wanted to do. And um, he says, well, you know, I mean, I've been doing this for over 20 years. I can definitely help you. He offered to write the whole thing. And I was like, well, I don't really want you to write the whole thing. Because we already kind of have, you know, with, with, with us using the song, that was already the blueprint and the outline of everything. So I didn't want him to write the whole thing, but once I understood the concept of how you have to connect the dots and how you have and how you get all of the different characters to interact with each other without overpowering one another and everybody has different cues and different things like that. Once I understood how it worked, I um, went ahead and um, started writing some of it. I ended up writing most of all of the um, second half of the of the play. And it went really, really good. I ended up having over um, six national recording artists on the on the play. And it was it was really cool. That's awesome. So what did that feel like? Like I know it was cool. It's gotta be cool for someone to recognize your writing. And first is saying, okay, this is a song, this is my emotion, but then someone to say, hey, we could make this into something that's live action. Like we can put this either on the screen or we can put this on the stage. Like how did yeah. that initially like hit you? Like what? You know, like I, you know, I wrote this as a song, like my emotions and this it's five minutes at, you know, whatever it is. Like we're going to put this right. into how many minutes? Like, you know, how, right. how's this going to happen? So how did that it, feel it, for you? The whole process honestly was, was, was breathtaking. I mean, behind the scenes, there's so many different areas that I never thought about. And you're right, I didn't even look at the fact that we took this song and the concept of this song that was a four and a half minute song and turned it into a two and a half hour play. And to go from, you know, um, really depicting the song to say, okay, or, um, or dissecting the song rather to, to, to say, okay, we're going to, this main character, how was she feeling and what was she thinking and all this type of stuff. So we really broke it down. And, and the one thing that I really liked about the play, because the play is called I cheated. So what? Mm -hmm. So, um, <laughs> it's about, it's about the woman getting fed up. I'm going to just say it like that. I mean, the man has cheated multiple times. Um, it originated again from from the song. The song originated from a true story of one of my friends who was married for a long time. Um, her husband kept cheating on her. Ended up having a baby out of wedlock on the baby, and she helped raise the child on the baby's fourth birthday. She 
Um, and they had three three boys of their own, and and then um, he had a girl out of wedlock. And so for the little girl's fourth birthday, um, the mom, my friend, brought her kids over to the birthday party where her dad, which is her husband, was there. And she dropped, you know, she was bringing her kids up and the baby mama didn't want her to be there. She was like, you can go. <laughs> you can drop off the kids and you can go. Wow. And she, she made the dad, um, her husband, tell her. And of course, it turned into a big argument, all the type of stuff. One thing led to another. She left and she ended up running over to one of her friend's house and seeked comfort, you know, was telling him all the stuff that was going on. And one thing led to another. Mm. So now fast forward, um, she didn't fully go through with the whole act of it. Yeah. Um, out of guilt, she stopped and she went home, felt guilty, told her husband when he finally came home told her husband who then turned around and said, you were, you were, you were this, you were that. <laughs> I don't want nothing else to do with you. Can't stand the sight of you. I want a divorce. Wow. And so, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. So when she was telling me this story, crying and just, I mean, just full of tears, which I mean, she was married for a long time. So when she was telling me this, you know, I'm listening to her, but I'm just, I'm more like the audacity. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's where I'm uh, at right now. I wasn't even involved. Yeah. And I'm like, really, homie? That's it's how like you the audacity. <laughs> I have raised, like, it wasn't even that. You, I have raised this little girl, number one. And you've had her, it's been four years of this, technically five, because you got the, the pregnancy part. You know, yeah. that's something I had to deal with you telling me. And, and, and this is just one girl that got pregnant. There was multiple women. So for you to then say, you don't, she's, she's a this and she's a that calling her out of her name and telling her you can't stand to look at her and you want a divorce. What? You know? So, so, so in my song, I said, um, um, I admit it. I did it. I cheated. Really? Like you say that, yeah, you, when you was cheating on me, you came home and it was like, I'm just supposed to deal with it. I'm your wife, you know? And at the end of the day, you give this little lame apology and I'm just supposed to just hide my feelings and hope that it's not going to ever happen again, you know? And, and I can imagine she had to do that multiple times. You know what I mean? That's, um, yeah. I, <laughs> right this is is really insane uh at at the particular moment i had never uh dealt with uh infidelities in my own relationship mm-hmm. in my own marriage but uh but i wrote the song and then a few years later i actually had it in my own relationship not mm. not a baby per se but, but still the you infidelity know, the yeah Right. So, so then, you know, because I said, I mean, this, I sat on this song for a couple of years. So when it finally came out, um, I was able to also throw in some of my own emotions, Mm -hmm. some of my own feelings. And then because he was a male writer and we did the twist, you, we went through what he was feeling and some of his thoughts, like for the guy, apparently, you know, they're not as attached. And yeah. um, when they have sex with someone, it's, it's, it's just sex. Whereas apparently for the chicks, mm-hmm. you know, we're, if we, we commit to another person, that means we in love or we yeah. are completely withdrawn from the other person. So um, it was, it was real interesting because we got to um, show both sides of that in the play. And then we also, uh, got to show the consequences of your actions from yeah. both ends. So it was real cool. But to see it go from a thought to um, pen and pad to an actual song to which I have a music video on called um, The Storm. And then to go from that to, you know, a play and having other people turn your characters and your words into true life. Yeah, it was it was it was awesome and then you know to have a whole stage built up and i mean i've been on sets plenty of times but to have a whole stage set up and 
and and then the audience, um, the place held a thousand people. We had 775 people. It was played all on the radio, on national radio. And to hear my name, not just as an actor and a singer, but also as um, first time playwright, Butter yeah. B. Rocker was like, what? <laughs> you know, it was real cool. That's crazy. That's just the story, yeah. the story that you just told had so many layers and so much emotions. Like, I don't even, like, I would love to see the play, but I feel like I don't need to see it because I can imagine everything you just talked about. Like, I can see the argument outside of the house in the driveway. <laughs> like, I can picture that. Like, I can picture it because I've seen that experience. Like, I've actually yeah. seen that. And I've yeah. had friends that have been in situations. Um, and as I've been in infidelity in, you know, one of my very early relationships in terms of in opposite wise with uh, the young lady I was dating at the time. So it was like, I could just see all of it. And it's just, yeah. it was so vivid just you explaining it. So I'm, I'm assuming the same way of uh, someone hearing your lyrics and hearing the, the actual passion that this is not just you writing from the top of your head. This is coming from real life events. I can see yeah. why they said, hey, let's make this into a play because this is, People got to see this. Like, they're not going to believe yeah. it. If if they don't see it, they're not going to believe it. Yeah, and, and, and I'm going to tell you this. Uh, anything that you're imagining in your, in, in your head is cool, but I'm telling you, the play was 10 times more I, than I'm yes. driving. It really was. It was, it was so intense. It, it had all the women. Mm -hmm. All the women had a lot of emotions. I mean, some of the men, most of the men in the crowd was sitting there not wanting to leave or not wanting to. <laughs> this is what I was told because, of course, I was on stage. Yeah. But the women were like, you know, girl, I understand. And the men was like, ooh. It's like, who, tell, who telling you all the secrets? Somebody out here snitching. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, because we had a, because it came from a girl and a man's perspective, yeah. you literally got to see how how men think, how women think. And like it was it was insane. And that's crazy because I and I think it touches on another level because like you said, it it goes to the thought process of men and and this culture of manhood and manhood from an early age is defined as how many women you're with or how many women yeah. you have and it's a serious it's a serious problem uh, I, I mean i consider myself like i'm a manly man i'm a guy you know like but at the same time i, I had to change my thought process as i got older because mm -hmm. I, I started to realize things like you know, like being with all these, not saying like I was being a whole bunch of different women, but I'm saying like a lot of my friends were like, yeah, I got this girl in the Bronx, but I'm dating this girl over here yeah, in Brooklyn. Cool. And then, you know, man, I kind of see this girl that I kind of work with in Manhattan. Like we don't really, it's nothing exclusive. And I'm like, so that don't get like tiresome. Like, <laughs> like that doesn't it just, that, that doesn't weigh on your nerves. And he's like, nah, yeah. man, like I'm out here. I'm doing my thing. And, and so like your play touches, it's probably why it was so well received because it touches on that notion that, or that misconception that you need to have more than one woman to be yeah. considered a man. And therefore, so it's nothing wrong because you're just, you're just following your impulse as a man. Whereas like yeah. you said, whereas if a woman does it, you're going completely against nature. So I can't mess with you. Cause then you, you out of character, you out of pocket. So yeah. I know that that would be crazy. I want to see it. Like I, you, you got to hit me with the Tyler Perry DVD. Like I'm, I need I'm going to I'm, I'm, I'm hook you up. I need to see it. Cause I, cause I'm imagining it. I'm like, man, that's going to be great. Cause I, cause I can see what you said, the crowd reaction. Cause I remember going to see uh, Tyler Perry's diary of a mad black woman in the movie theaters when it very mm -hmm. first, like the opening weekend. And I mm -hmm. remember having women like, like, Stand up, testify, and cry. You think you was in church when she started beating him down in that bathtub? I was yeah, like, yeah. I, all the other dudes like, man, we need to get out of here. <laughs> like, yeah, we didn't yeah. even do that's nothing. That's kind of how it. That's kind of how it was. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even do nothing. I love my woman. Like, I I shower her with praise and gifts, but I feel like I'm unsafe. I gotta get <laughs> up out of here today. So, yeah. but no, that's awesome. Like, I. I 
Is there any place that they can check it out? Or they can hear it or they can see it? Like, um, if I have, to check it out. I have a small snippet on um, on Facebook. I mean, not Facebook. Sorry, on YouTube mm-hmm. um, called "I Cheated So What" under Butter Be Rocka, or just "I Cheated So What." Um, it is um, on YouTube, but um, I don't have the full. I have a, a copy of the full show. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. The play was going to, we got offers immediately to take it on the road. And like I told you, I was blessed to have six national recording artists um, from Christopher Williams. Um, I had Robert Curry from Day 26. I had Rico Barino, which is Fantasia's um, brother. I mean, singers. I mean, we had singers on this. Everybody in this play could throw down. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. Um I mean, the janitor, like, I'm just saying, everybody, <laughs> seriously, everybody <laughs> could sing. So it was really, really cool. But the problem is when you have six national recording artists, um, you also have their schedules. Right. And trying to, it, it's hard to try to pitch uh, or sell tickets on, you know, I'm going to have this people you know, all of these people here and they see this flyer and then, yeah, well, I can't do that date, but I can do dates three and four, or I can't do this one. And then you also now have to get understudies for each part. And, and then you got to hope that those understudies are available now for those particular dates, because you could do this one and then can't do this one. Then you got booked for that date. So you can't do this one. So it was crazy. It became, it became a, a good nightmare. Yeah. You know, um, um, so I have to figure out, I'm going to have to scale it down for, from the celebrities, um, to maybe, you know, two or three, um, because it, it, it really, honestly, six, and then, and those six are just the national recording artists. Like I told you, every single person from the band mm-hmm. to all of the, um, the not main characters, but all of the, the, um, you know, the, the secondary characters and stuff, every single person uh, were singers and all had their own schedules. And I had a big cast. I think I had probably a good 20 people or something. It was, I mean, it was big, you know, from the background to the front. It was a big production. So, um, yeah, you, you wasn't dealing with just six schedules. <laughs> yeah, so you're dealing with 20 schedules. So right, the, at least at least about fifteen schedules of of full time musicians. Yeah. That's so, tough. So you the epitome. That was the epitome of doing it big. You was really out yeah, there doing yeah, it yeah. big and yeah. trying to make a thing of it. I, that's yeah. again, that's amazing. And then really quickly, yeah. everybody who's listening, please go to the YouTube page. Go look up. I cheated. So what? Like as much buzz and hype around the clip as you want, so we can get all get the full. We can all get the full video and watch it because I'm gonna. When we're done here, I'm gonna go watch the clip. So yeah, I'm. I'll, I'm gonna send it to you. I'll definitely send it to you. Um, the what I do, I do definitely, I do plan on definitely taking it on the road. Um, I am gonna have to scale it back a little bit, but I've since then I've been doing so many other things that it it you know I start putting on the back burner, and then I start putting more on the back burner because I have other things. So it's kind of became one of those things where I know I'm going to come back to it eventually. But yeah, y- y'all go to y'all go to the YouTube. If I get enough noise on it, I'm gonna bring it back sooner than later. See, sure. get the noise, holler, get out there, get the likes, get the comments, do the whole social media thing because I guarantee you it's gonna be something good that y'all gonna like. So get out there. Ain't nobody doing nothing. You ain't doing. There's no excuse. We ain't doing nothing right now. It's hashtag quarantainment. <laughs> go get on YouTube and go look it up. Get your, you know, get your clip, look it up, have some fun, share it with your friends, uh, and you you know, just support another artist, support a black artist, support some black work, and just support uh, creativity. You know, we yeah. need creativity because I think the creativity is love in one of its many forms. And so get out there and support that because we need that right now. So please get out there and support. So with that, please. yeah. So with that, so with your, you know, doing it big on the play side, uh, I know we were talking about and kind of like, you know, first premiere, you you possibly have a webtoon coming out. 
Yeah, I um I told you on on your show, and I haven't told anybody since. Um, I am working on a web series, and I'm super excited. Um, it's, I mean, it's going to be more than a web series, but first, it's going to be a web series that I'm working on. Um, I already have um thirteen epi- thirteen or fourteen episodes written, and um before the quarantine happened i was um in the process of um ready to start scouting the different buildings and stuff that i wanted to be using but uh i am now that they're kind of opening up atlanta a little bit i'm not i'm still not i'm still doing my social distancing Mm -hmm. so i'm not going to be around a whole lot of people but i can start doing some you know auditions and everything so i'm about to start i'm about to about to start putting some stuff together and you will be hearing of my project very, very soon. I can't fully release everything and tell you everything right now, but I definitely am um, ready to get to the big screen. Trust me. Yeah, I like it. So be on the lookout. This is the first time you heard it. Be on the lookout for the web series. It's starting to get some actors together. It sounds like whatever you're doing, the way you describe it, sounds like it's going to be awesome. So that's how I'm like taking it. it. It's going to be awesome. So I will definitely have my ear to the ground uh, to continue seeing that. Because I, like I said, I love creativity. And I love people who expand and bring new things to be it, whatever genre, be it television, be it film, be it music, whatever it is. Right. I love something new. Because sometimes a lot of those genres get very stale because they just start recycling the same thing because that's what works. You know, that's what sells. And people get tired. At least I do. So I love when something new pops out and it's like, oh, man, this is great. And then so especially if I can feel like I'm in the like the small group that know it first. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna feel, I'm gonna feel uh, real important when it pops off like yeah. this, and I knew it yeah. first before it came out. So, <laughs> let me tell you another thing that's really cool because, um, I mean, I really do like even from my writing um, as a as a songwriter and stuff. You know, it's all about really painting a picture, and I try to make sure that, um, like every time I go out on the road or any of the things that I do, I'm always learning. Okay, yeah, I don't need to do that no more. Okay, yeah, let me do that. So um, I'm real excited about about the project because I've been on various sets and I know what will work and what won't work. And I know that um, although although every topic in the world has always been talked about, I mean, mm-hmm. there's no topic that hasn't been talked about, but I believe I'll, I will definitely be able to showcase it or paint the picture in a way that's going to make you not feel like it's um, used. Yeah. So I'm excited. Fresh <laughs> eyes, fresh perspective. Yeah. And I like yeah. that. And that's my biggest thing. That's what I love. Like I watch, I watch a lot of like um, foreign TV shows and, um, you know, everything's been zombie for like the past, I feel like 10 years. This, this The zombie genre is TV shows, movies, whatever. It's zombie, zombie, zombies. I said it's the same thing over and over again. And I happened to watch a zombie TV show. It's a Korean one and it's on Netflix. And it was completely done like, f- like a fresh set of eyes. And it was amazing. And it made me like want to get back into it again versus the 10 years before. And it's like, okay, it's The Walking Dead. Fear The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. It's this. It's mm-hmm. that. So it, I, I agree. Fresh set of eyes. I'm ready to see it. I'm ready to hear it. Ready to listen to it. Cool. And then um, to switch gears just a little bit, um, since you, you are in Atlanta, just everybody doesn't know, you are based in Atlanta. And you right. just said that they are opening up Atlanta right now. How do you feel about that? Because it was a lot of back and forth. There's, I mean, um, so how do you feel about it opening up? You know, I I kind of feel like we're like the tester. We like they like <laughs> <test it> down <laughs> us. <laughs> you know, they want to see who's going to survive type thing. Okay. So I'm gonna just speak for me and mine. Yeah. Uh, we're staying inside as much as possible. Um, we're still social distancing. Because I mean, at this particular time, unless unless I didn't get the memo, they ain't found no cure. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we're not gonna act like everything is just good. <laughs> yeah. So we're not we're not hitting the beaches. We're not going out shopping like that. No. Uh, 
good because that's my feeling too when they start opening things up i'm like okay y'all can go first yeah. <laughs> i'm not going you yeah know? so i, I mean d- i had to go to the store and I'll, I'll have on gloves and we have on our little mask and mm-hmm. everything i'm not touching nothing and then when we take this stuff off we wash our hands you know we're making sure that we sanitize and we make sure we get out of our clothes and you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to keep it safe over here because the thing is, what's so scary about this is is it doesn't have a face, it doesn't have a, it doesn't matter your age, your race, it don't matter if you're good health, bad health, it don't matter. So like, it's just catching people off guard, you know. Yes. So I don't want to take that chance, and I I, I want to be able to still live and to talk about it. So you know, yes. I'm we we trying to quarantine. Okay. Well, good. So you heard it first. There are people in Atlanta who are like, I'm not trying to go out right now. So <laughs> I just wanted to ask because I and I have friends that live in Atlanta because this feels like Atlanta is where everyone from New York tends to migrate. They so do. I, from New York, son. For real. For real, B. Yeah. We out here yeah. living, dude. Yeah. I, all my, yeah. I, listen, I can't even, I'd probably say 40% of my high school graduating class now lives in some part of Georgia right now. I believe that. It is, I do. It is ridiculous. And it's just like, why? Okay, everybody live in Atlanta now. And I mean, like, that's all. That's cool. Everybody want to be in the music business, too. <laughs> it's a lot of them Everybody. Now. Everybody well, that, in the music hey, that's business. That's in New York, too, now. Come on. Yeah, but I mean, like, everybody's moving to Atlanta specifically. Like, oh, man, I'm going to Atlanta, man. I'm being on a music video. Okay. <laughs> you, you know you can't sing, but that's cool. <laughs> No, it's just funny because I, I always wonder because I, I remember when I was, when I first started seeing that trend of people moving to Atlanta, like it was like, okay, one or two of my friends, then it was like three and four, then all of a sudden they all kind of living near each other and I'm like, oh, you know, so-and-so's out here, right? You know, so-and-so, I'm like, this is like the whole senior class, I missed the memo, I guess nobody decided to tell me. I guess. <laughs> well, they're telling you now. You uh, gotta come on down to Atlanta. I gotta visit. I got family down there. I gotta visit my aunt. Have you been? I've been down there a long time ago, like when I was little. Okay. So okay. I went down there and visit my aunt and uncle. Yeah, when, that don't count. Yeah, it don't. When my nephew was like a baby, he's like 21, 22 now. So he was like yeah. a baby, and I remember going yeah. down there. But I mean, it was cool. Like I didn't mind it. Like it to me, it just seemed like New York. Like the train stations was cleaner. The train oh, station was cleaner, but it seemed like New York to me. I was like, this is cool. I mean, the crickets is different. <laughs> like I, can hear- I, I definitely don't get the New York. It's definitely not New York for me. I Ironically, I don't do the subways and stuff here. Yeah. But I love going on the subways in New York really? because it's so creative. Yeah. Um, in, in the subway station, you got the people doing the art. You got yeah. people singing. You got people. I'm like, I love this. I don't even mind the smell. Like, <laughs> and you see so many diverse, you know, it's yes. so diverse yes. that I'm like, I really, I really like it. But the bad thing is, you know, that I'm not from there because I got the big cheesy grand on hi, and you know, yeah. and I'm taking the very thing. So they, they, people spot that you, you know, when you ain't from New York, they're like, wait, why is she, she smiling for us? Yeah, why is she smiling so hard? <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, smile and take pictures and say. No, nah, they're not trying to hear they're all not, that. Not, <laughs> nah, son, you you shouting on my government too much. I need you to like back up. You pressing me too hard with all these pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for people that don't know though, if they're, they're we're talking about New York subways, you can literally hear uh, in one corner of one subway car, you could hear Russian, you could hear Mandarin Chinese, you could hear uh, Spanish, you could mm-hmm. hear uh, Patois. You can hear English. You can hear that all in one subway car being spoken. And sometimes they're switching languages in between. Like I've heard someone speaking Chinese, then speaking Spanish, and literally trying to speak Patois in like a whole conversation. It's amazing to grow up like that and to see that. And then speaking of the performers of the train, you'll get they'll come on and and play the old the paint can paint drums, paint buckets, and they'll start drumming and you would you like, how come they don't have a deal? Like, this is like the yeah. best drummer yeah. in the world. Yeah. Like, you yeah. killing it playing three different size paint buckets. Like, yeah. killing it, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, just break out and dance. And also, I got to tell you, the best long-lasting AA batteries you ever buy 
from like either the Chinese or Korean ladies that come on the train. They'll say like they'll say batteries, and those batteries will last you forever. <laughs> One dollar. I, I, I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen oh, that part. They, listen, they'll come on with like a whole like uh, made up like jumpsuit vest <laughs> that has like a box of like candies, batteries, and toys. And usually yeah. they're accompanied by like I don't know their husband or somebody else, and they'll start turning the toys on so the kids could see them and start asking their right. parents. Right. And we, I used to, I used to wait for those ladies to come on the train, especially when my batteries were dying. You know, way back in the day of like uh, CD players, mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you get one dollar, you get two AA batteries, and they would last forever. Best AA wow. batteries ever. So that's one of my favorite memories of growing up in New York. Favorite memories. <laughs> Just miss it. That's that's probably one of the very few things I miss. Like, there's a lot of stuff I don't, but there's like a few things that are like straight sentimental value that I like miss that I can't wait for my yeah. kid. So hopefully, I, my kids can experience it. <laughs> they will. Yeah, I'll take them down. My I'm parent. I'm like I'm. I have anxiety about them because they're super curious. So like, yeah. I need them to stay back from the yellow line, but I know. Yeah. That they won't. So my anxiety of them riding the train is like we we're not even there yet, and it's like super high. Let me tell you, my son was. I, I took my kids. Uh, first of all, don't ever go to New York on your own with two kids under the age of nine um, <laughs> on a subway uh, <laughs> because my kids thought that 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 they could. You know how you gotta rush. You gotta you gotta get in where you fit in. Yeah. You know, and these subways and everything. My kids trying to rush to get in, and I, I promise you, I almost lost one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that train door almost almost closed. He was going too slow. He kept, you know, seeing stuff, you know, as we walking and stuff. And then he let my hand go right before we got onto the train, and he almost got You <laughs> almost got left, homie. You better stay there till I get back. <laughs> Right. Oh man, and that's crazy because I grew up like I was by nine, by nine years old. I was taking a train by myself. Like really? I would, by nine years old, I would be able to go from like to where I lived at in the Bronx. It was two hundred third, two thirty third Street, or near there, like Dorema Avenue, which is a little further down. I used to be able to take the train, the two train, mm-hmm. and go from there to one hundred forty ninth Street and Third Avenue, or one hundred forty ninth Street and Grand Concourse. And walk to my grandmother's house. So I used to be able to do that by like nine, ten years old, just by myself. Just walk to the train station, hop on the train, go see my grandma. Cause I like, I stayed there a lot. So I was used to doing that. So by nine, ten, I was traveling all around the city by myself. But see, that was probably when it was safer. Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. You had to, like, by nine or ten, I had, I was able to like look at people. Like, all right, I got, you know, you got to look like you can do something. Because, I mean, I'm still 9 and 10. I ain't really, like, fighting nobody. But you got to look like you okay. Like, you got to walk on, don't talk to nobody, sit down. Like, you got to have the confidence like you're supposed to be there. Like, that was the thing. You act like you're supposed to be on this train so nobody mess with right. you. That didn't always work. <laughs> that didn't always work. Just sometimes I got off on 3rd Avenue and, you know, you walking past. There was a store called... Um, Jimmy Jazz, and sometimes you walk past there and turn that corner, and it's like, "What's up, little dude?" Damn, <laughs> and you just knew you was in for something. But you know, is that was just New York? New York is no matter where you go, it's the Wild Wild West. No definitely. matter where, but you know, fun memories. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So back, let's get back to the entertainment phase. We kind of veered off into the majesticism or the the um, down memory lane of different states. So back to the entertainment part, you also are an author. And, I am. Uh, so I would love, and I think we kind of touched on this in part one, but I know we kind of didn't get everything out of there. So I would like to touch on if you could talk about your book. And uh, you guys got to hear this, folks, because the time it took for this to sell out and just be an amazing book. You got to hear it straight. <laughs> you got to hear the story. So I will let you tell it and you explain to them how fast this book sold out. 
Okay. Well, my book is called Fear of Failure, Fear of Not Trying by O. Robinson. I use my government name on this book. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, I became an Amazon bestseller within seven hours of my release. And um, it was endorsed by Mr. Les Brown. Um, my forward is by um, um, a princess, a, a, a real princess. Um, and also I have a forward uh, by a musical icon um, that's really heavy up the chain. Both of them did forwards in my, in my book. And my book has been featured on 365 major media outlets, including CBS to the story on me, ABC, Fox, Boston Herald, a lot of, a lot of different places. Telemundo did a story on me. Um, but the book is, the book is amazing. Um, what happened is I performed in Bahamas for the prime minister. Mm -hmm. And then they hired me again to perform in, in, um, Fort Lauderdale on this, on this private yacht. So while I was on the shot, there was this billionaire on there and he says, write your book, tell your story. And for whatever reason, again, I've had so many things. You ever have all of these things that you want to accomplish, but you never have. You always say, man, yeah. I wish I could have did this. I wish I could have did that. Well, that was me. The only thing I've ever really done, um, you know, is sing, but I've always wanted to write a book. I've always wanted to write a play. It was things I wanted to also venture into, but I didn't know how to, so I didn't do it. Um, so um, it just so happened that that particular time it resonated. I, I've had plenty of other people say, you should write a book, you should write a book. It didn't stick to me. And I think it didn't stick because it wasn't my time. Um, when he said it, it stuck. I mean, I just, I heard it plain as day. You know, they say God was speaking to you. Mm -hmm. you know, like I literally, I heard it plain as day. And so when, um, when I was doing the, um, I had to go to Hawaii for, um, a show and I was on a cruise ship, um, performing and they ended up having to go out to sea, uh, because there was a tornado coming. And so they had to, to avoid it, they went out farther. So we was out to sea for four additional days. So within those four days, I wrote the book. Um, had to, you know, when I came home, of course, I had to get the, the, my um, book cover made, uh, do the edits, that type of stuff. But the book was, I would say 90% written, completely done. And then I just added on and took off and, you know, had to do some grammar um corrections and stuff like that but the book was done and the book is really about my journey in the music industry um i um when i was around 17 18 years old i was in a car accident uh the day that i was headed to my attorney's office i had two record deals on the table one with warner brothers and one with sony and i ended up getting into a car accident and that car accident left me drinking from a straw for six months. So it took me a long time to come back out. But before my car accident, like I grew up with the Akons. I grew up with Usher. I grew up with a lot of Lil Zane. I grew up with a lot of people. And um, their careers during this whole year that it took me to come back out, their careers like flourished. I mean, big time, mm -hmm. <laughs> big time. Locked Up had just came out and Akon was doing really good and all this stuff. And um, he was the one that encouraged me to come back, um, to, you know, go back out there. And, and, and I was like, I can't, I can't sing anymore. Cause I had, you know, I had stitches in my mouth. They dissolved yes. in my mouth. I felt weird. So I didn't think that I could sing. It was more mental than anything. So I went back to the record labels. The deals were no longer on the table. One had completely revamped. So they had a whole new fresh um, team. So they didn't even know who I were. Um, and the other one had just signed a young lady that was um, like a year or two younger than me. Because at that particular moment, they was getting a lot of those teeny boppers that was in the Britney Spears. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Know, that age. And so, you know, here, here go my old 17, 18 year old butt. Uh, 
I go to the third label that was interested in signing us. Um, and this one, I mean, it was a good deal, but it wasn't better than the first two. So he wasn't even on the, you know, that wasn't even part of our conversation initially. So we go to him. That deal's no longer on the table. And he's the one that tells me, you know, butter, you know, sorry to say this, your time has come, wow. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And he was like, you know, we signing, we're signing. I can't remember how old Brittany was. Was she like 12, 13 when she got her deal? It was something. It was a yeah. younger age. She was and Britney was Spears. Like, yeah, she was pretty young when she came like 12, out. 13, no more than 14. So, you know, they were saying that. And so, you know, I had to accept that. But that led to depression because I've only wanted to sing. There was nothing else. Mm-hmm. You asked me from age four on. Nothing else. I was going to be the next Diana Ross, okay? Nothing else. So, you know, um, it was it was real it was real hard for me to deal with. I went through a lot of emotions and 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 everything because you see all of your friends now blown up and the people that you used to work with, they've blown up but they haven't said, "Hey, come with." Yeah. And so, not that you have to say come with, but I can just tell you from my point of view, mentally, that made me feel like I wasn't worthy. You know, I was good enough then, but now maybe I'm not good enough. And so I started having a lot of doubts about myself. Um, Got married, had kids, went to college, you know, I I did all that stuff Um, because I didn't think that I could sing anymore. It took me a long time to finally come back out. Um, And when I did, I finally, you know, came to the came to the the state of mind of you can't let somebody else determine your fate. You can't let somebody else determine who you are. And once I realized who I was, um, I, you know, I started traveling. I started going overseas. I've had the pleasure of working with so many major, major people and seeing places and things that I never even thought I could imagine. I've, I've sung, (laughs) I've I've worked with from Zach Brown, um, Collective Soul, um, TLC, Kanye West, Akon, Usher, Lil Zane. Um, I'm missing some people, but um, I'm definitely missing some people, but I can't think of it right now. Janet Jackson, I'm tripping. Wow. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm sorry, I just forgot Janet Jackson. Just pull that out. Of- <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Janet, Janet, Janet. I'm sorry. Right, right. <laughs> Now, all of it wasn't, everybody wasn't on the road. Um, mm-hmm. But if I work with you, I'm still putting it on my, I'm still putting that. Yeah, uh, of course. That's on the but, resume. Um, yeah, everybody wasn't, you know, particularly on the road. Um, some of them were studio and stuff like that. But still, it was still an honor to even be in the room, yes. you know, on the projects and getting the phone calls and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I've done a lot of stuff, but. It took me a long time to get there. You know what I mean? I went through a lot of emotional things. And then, um, then you know, went from married to now divorced, raising kids, still traveling, still touring overseas and mm-hmm. having to adjust everything and just being scared of a lot of stuff. It took, I had so much fear. I had fear of failing. Yeah. <laughs> really. And so that's what, all, that's what all went into the book then. That's what yeah. all went into yeah. the book and florist and obviously it hit a nerve with people that needed to hear your story to help them better live out theirs because i mean within seven hours you said it sold out so it definitely hit a collective nerve with people who are like wow this resonates with me because i know i can i can understand that story too definitely let me tell you this um let me let me clarify something it went seven out it sold within seven hours uh as my pre-release so my book hadn't even came out wow. I, I i did the pre-release in april it didn't officially come out till may may 1st but by april 1st um i can't remember what time we went what time we started it but seven hours later it was i was an amazon bestseller and amazon um hottest new release wow so- yeah uh Amazon best selling author, uh first time playwright, singer, songwriter, traveled with all the musicians you could think have been hot at one time or another. Uh a mom, 
uh, college graduate, uh, just uh, accolades on top of accolades on top of on top of accolades. So definitely uh, a Renaissance woman and a superwoman to boot. <laughs> so I'll take that. I'll take that. I worked hard. I worked you hard did take it. Please wear the cape. <laughs> wear wear the cape with pride because that's a lot and people get lost in that fear. Not everybody comes out of that. Not everybody yes. gets hurt, loses something. I mean, cause that it could have been millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands or whatever, just fame, whatever it could have been. People don't always come back from that. They, they yeah. stay in a dark cycle and it transfers to children or other generations. And you, even if you at one point you said, okay, I'm not going to do music anymore. You went back to school and you graduated the top of your class and you had academic accolades and you're still raising uh, two wonderful kids who are what accomplished actors, uh, have their own magazine and they're running correct, they're models. So you definitely right. decided to do something right and go in a good direction. And then once you decided to face that fear, now in you're like running through the entertainment industry just hustling left and right and doing positive things. So that's just a testament to you and a testament to what it means to really face your fear. So that, I mean, that's amazing. I think that's a great story. Thank you. So you, you heard how, you know, the first part of it um, in my, in my book is called fear of failure, fear of not trying. So the fear of not trying part, um, what I meant by that is I'm scared to fail, which is, you know, that, that definitely stops people in the tracks, but mm -hmm. I had more fear of not trying. Mm -hmm. I don't want to live my life with the whole, man, I wish I could have, I would have, should have. You know, I don't want to be that chick, you know, when I'm 90 years old, living with all this regret of not even taking that first step. So, you know, some people say, well, how did you do it? I just did it. You just mm -hmm. have to get out of your own way and just take some steps. You don't have to know how it's going to happen. You don't have to know. I mean, you got to come up with a plan. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I came up with a plan, but that doesn't mean that your plan can't change. So what I do, I do something called a plan, do, review. So you plan it out. You, you try to think of, you know, all the things that you should, you know, how you start your business or how you're going to go about, you know, getting from A to B. But just know that there's going to be a lot of detours, you know, and you just got to adjust your sales along the way. But you can't be scared to do it. Um, you just got to start doing it. Like, who would have thought <laughs> I would have sent my song over to somebody and it gets turned into a play. It gets picked up by um, an investor who pays for it. I don't pay a dime for my very first play that is all on national radio. I have six national recording artists. I mean... What? Yeah. Who would have thought writing, hearing somebody um, say on a boat, on a yacht, hey, write a book, and then you write a book that you don't know is going to be good. Mm -hmm. You're scared out of your mind because I'm pouring out all of my heart and my secrets and, you know, I'm really transparent in this book. Who would have thought that it would become a bestseller? And then Les Brown would endorse it. And then it gets picked up you know, on all of these um, stations. Well, let me say that. Let me go back. Before Les Brown even endorsed it, it got picked up by 365 national um, major media. That's before I had a, a big time uh, motivational speaker. Yeah. You know, like who? Like who? Like uh, you can't make this stuff up. It just came. You gotta, so you just you just gotta go. Yeah, <laughs> you just you, gotta go. You gotta just throw the throw the rock in and get the first ripple. And watch it yeah. go across the pond, and yeah. uh, your ripples are still going. <laughs> like you're still affecting people, and it's still going across the pond. And again, I think it's amazing. And I want to close out the show. I want to ask you again if what would you say to anyone who's listening that's an aspiring whatever, expiring aspiring actor, singer, musician painter, Lego master builder, whatever they're aspiring to do, what would you say to them if you had them in the room? 
I would say, um, get out of your own way. And I would say, just take one step and then one more step and then one more step. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to know where the money's going to come from. What, what happens is once you start moving and the momentum starts, the right people that's supposed to be aligned with you for that particular journey of yours will come into play automatically. And sometimes, sometimes as you're going along and you're on step number six, you discover that some things didn't work and you got to go back to step number two and then adjust some things and then, then pick it back up. That's okay. Just one step. If you if you worry about just taking one step each time, uh, it wouldn't be as much pressure. So I mean, just do it, and and something great will come out of it. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. So, everybody listening, thank you guys for listening. Because as you know, on multiple podcast disorder, I love to talk, so I appreciate you all listening. Uh, but I appreciate you being on the show for part two of Renaissance Woman. And thank you for letting everyone know sometimes it just takes one small step and then another small step. And next thing you know, you've went a mile or you went two miles. So thank you for that. So go to Amazon, check out her book, go to YouTube, go to Instagram, go to Twitter. What's your handle for all that so that way they can check you out? My handle is Butterbiraka. That is B-U-T-T-A-B-R-O-C-K-A, Butterbiraka on all... Um, social medias and on youtube my website is butterby rocka everything is butterby rock so very easy so check out butterby rocka on across the, all the boards on any social media platform uh please check out her snippet of her play on youtube uh check out her website she does have links to her music videos and songs in there as well so please definitely check that out again check out amazon for the book because if you need to hear it please read it and it's going to speak to you, and we encourage you to get out there and be as creative as you can be because there is no time like today. So as Butta would say, take that first step and see where it leads. Absolutely. All right, guys. And as always, like I said, I love to talk. Thank you for listening. And as always, peace.